Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. So no Haaland at the weekend. And despite Leicester playing with a back 10 for most of the game, City still managed a 1-0 victory and another three points thanks to a wonder strike from, can we say, the best midfielder in the world, Kevin De Bruyne. We might cover that. How did Alvarez do? What about Edison's save? He's not just in the team for his distribution then. We look forward to our dead rubber against the Ville on Wednesday and then look forward to Saturday as well. Three o'clock kickoff at the Etihad against Fulham. To do all that and much more, I have three guests. Welcome to John Stapleton. Hi, John. Hi, fellow. How are you? Good to see you. Uh, welcome you? to Stuart Brodkin. Hi, Stuart. And also to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hi, Nigel. Listen, let's kick off. Uh, we've, we, we actually had a question put in by our good friend Stato Paul Demby. Um, great question. If Leicester had taken, John, the approach they kind of they showed in the last 15 minutes earlier in the game, they may have won it. Others could say that actually might have opened up for City. So which side do you, do, you, do you take on that? But it's a great question from Stato. It's a great question, and both are possible, aren't they? I mean, I, th- I thought Leicester defended circularly. I mean, you're quite right, 10 men behind the ball, but they did extremely well, and they thwarted City for m- much of the game. And then when they eventually went out, to, came out to play after we went 1-0 down, they looked quite dangerous, quite frankly, and I thought we were, we were a bit pushed. So it, it could have gone either way. Had, had they played like that from the start, you like to think that City would have o- overwhelmed them. There's no guarantee, and don't, don't forget Vardy has a you know terrific record against Manchester City, and there's... Arguably, no reason why he wouldn't maintain that or enhance that uh, at, at the weekend. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought overall, I thought it was a, a very ma- good performance by City. We managed the game well. Uh, we could pursue this a little bit later, but I thought at times it got boring. And I'll, I've got a couple of, couple of thoughts as to why it may not have been so boring had City played slightly differently. But for the time being, to answer your direct question, yes, I think both both points raised by Stato are, are, are distinct possibilities, or could have been distinct possibilities. We could, have, we could have won, we could have overwhelmed, and equally well, they, they, could have, uh, they, they could have beaten us. And we have seen it, Edward, haven't we, in the past, where teams do try and play a bit more of an expansive game and get overrun by City as a result. Yeah, and that was clearly playing on uh, the minds of uh, Brendan Rodgers. I mean, you have to remember, they came off the back of a 4-0 away win at Wolves, so uh, you know they, they, they were scoring goals for fun. Uh, and I think before then, I think they'd won their previous game. So they're on a decent run, but it was a clear tactical decision. Uh, to do, uh, I'm calling it the three C's, compact, contain and counter. And when we've lost to Leicester, I think at the Etihad a few seasons ago, that's exactly what they did. They got a couple of goals on the counter. It worked. Um, and if they'd played like that throughout, maybe they would have got another counter towards the end. But they, they really played up until the 70th minute and then decided if we're still in the game, we've got 20 minutes to go, then we'll throw a bit more caution to the wind. Um, so up until then, yes, they, they played well at just making sure that we were pushed out wide. We didn't have Haaland in the middle. Alvarez is about three foot shorter than Haaland, which makes it more difficult for him to head the ball. And um, although we had Stones coming into midfield as a sort of inverted right back to give us a bit more, a few more bodies there, which meant Rodri, who is fairly tall, uh, got into the box and had a few good runs, uh, they were able to deal with it quite quite successfully and it really took a bit of magic from KDB to break them. So, yes, it could have been a different game if Leicester had played uh, to some of their other strengths that they've got. They're very fast um, up, up front. Uh, they can attack quickly, but we just about uh, edged it in the parts of the game that we needed to. Um, and you know, I think actually in the context of the season, a really big three points. Stuart, there was a great picture I saw on social media with literally a bank of five at the back just on the edge of the penalty area and about four inches in front of them, another bank of five, uh, which probably was kind of how they set up, and, and understandably so. Would you say that was kind of understandable from really, no, I, think, I think to play at home and in, that, in that way is a bit shameful, to be honest. I think the fans of Leicester City probably felt a bit short-changed. Brighton played quite expansively at the edge the other day and, and did well, looked good, and they followed that up with a win against Chelsea the other day. I think, you know... you. I don't think you can win a game in the last 15 minutes, really. It's, you're going to have, against City, you don't get too many chances. So, how many chances did Rodgers expect to get in the last 15 minutes? <laughs> a hatful? Not really. Um, you know, I think teams at home should be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more attractive to their own fans. I know, I know they're struggling. And although, as Edward said, they were on a good run, they'd, I think they'd won the last four or done well in the last four anyway. No, I was a bit. I was a bit shocked by their approach, to be honest. But we have to expect that. I don't think they could have done. And people say, well, they might have won had they come out, you know, from minute one. But they were never going to do that. And teams are scared of us. But should they be that scared? Why aren't we? Why aren't they playing football against us? Why? Why don't they let us actually? Why don't they actually come out a bit? Okay, it would help us. But uh, overall, I think I was a bit, a bit upset by that. Not upset, but a bit. I thought they, they didn't really do themselves justice, to be honest. And we did just enough to win. And that 1-0 could be a very, very important three points. 
Sure. I, I think, from my point of view, I think you can understand why they did it. I think we've covered the points. Edward, you you talked about the two foot seven Alvarez um, in, in in your introductory words. I think it's only right. Obviously, Haaland hasn't missed many many minutes for City. Uh, he's obviously not needed at the World Cup, so I'm sure Pep's going to play him when he's fit in in pretty much all all the games. So it gave Alvarez a bit of a chance. Obviously, totally different player, different physique, different type of centre forward. How would you assess his performance at the weekend? Well, I mean, I, I, I temper what I say from uh, my previous comments where I was lauding him as this, uh, you know, really quite in, in, incredible find. And I, I still, to a certain extent, stand by that. It's still very early days. It probably wasn't the right game for him to show his full repertoire um, with, uh, with Leicester just sitting everyone behind the ball, giving him no space, uh, lots of crosses coming in, which probably I think we can all... Uh, agree isn't his strength but also thought you know he was he, if you looked at him running off the ball he he was you know trying trying to find some space uh he was prowling around some nice touches he had one effort uh where he managed to cut through uh and uh, the goal he saved at a reasonably tight angle so I, i'm not i'm not too worried that he's suddenly become a uh diminutive figure um not just in terms of stature but in terms of footballing ability i think there's a huge amount to work on maybe a few cup games where he, he's got some more license and more freedom. We can see him at his best. And actually, when he's been on as a substitute at the Etihad, we've seen him score some spectacular goals. Uh, he's got a great turn of pace. I, I like his attitude. So he, he's he's not Haaland. Uh, we have to admit that Haaland scored almost half of all our goals this season um, against the whole the whole team, and that's something that we need to be careful about that we don't become over alarmed at him. But I suppose in some ways it's to be expected if he's in the team. But I, I don't think Alvarez um, has uh, anything uh, to, to worry about in terms of his um, his potential for the team. He just now has to realise it. It may be one of those seasons where he's in and out of the team, a bit like Foden in his first season, um, and next season will be his big breakthrough. But certainly I, I still think um, we've got a, a lot more to see from him. Not easy boots to fill, are they, Harlands? I suppose, John, it's fair to say. Poor, poor lad. Everybody gonna, it's, it's an obvious comparison to make, isn't it? Yeah, it's impossible for him, for the lad. And let's, let's not forget he's only, what, 19 years old, 20 years old, I can't remember. But I thought he worked very hard. Uh, the chance that Edward talked about, I think, might have been ruled offside at the end of the day. But, you know, he, he was in there. Uh, he didn't get fantastic service. One of the things I was, the, the point I, was going to, I alluded to a little bit earlier, I was going to raise, was, was this. I don't quite understand where, when we, why when we play teams like Leicester, we put 10 men behind the ball. Why we don't use the byline more, why we don't use the flanks more, to go down to the byline and cross the ball back. Kevin De Bruyne is a past master at that, you know. But every time Grealish or Concello get the ball, they come down the left and they cut inside and just hit a wall. Now, I, yeah, I can, I'm quite happy to be condemned of being very naive when I, when I say this, but why don't, we use, why don't we use the flanks more? Why don't we go to the byline more to, to cross the ball back low and hard as De Bruyne can do so well and Bernardo does very effectively as well. A point I raised because I think someone, someone like Alvarez would benefit from that. He didn't really get that many chances in the, in the game against Leicester, possibly for the reasons outlined. But discuss, discuss, friends. Yeah, indeed, Stuart, you got a you got a, a answer for John's question. Any thoughts on what he's saying? I think it's a very difficult game to judge him on. I think he's got quality. I think he's got pace, like Edward says. Um, he'll come good. It's a, I think a typical first season under Pep. Uh, we've seen that so many times in the past. Uh, he's all right. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, he's he's got quality. I, I would say that. 
we don't buy players without quality. Um, he will score goals for us. And I think Pep stated the other day that whenever Haaland is out, he'll be in. So he will get chances. Haaland won't stay fit for every game. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll score goals. Stuart, let's stick with you and, and come to another person who gets plenty of column inches as well for all the reasons we will understand. Yeah. Uh, Jack Grealish, yeah. um, big price tag. Um, yeah. Seemed to have a bit more of a freer role, maybe. Did that suit him a bit? Did you see signs of him having an influence on the game? Clearly got won the free kick that, that, that De Bruyne scored from, which we'll come on to shortly. So your your views on, on Grealish and yeah. how he settled in and st- is he open yeah. to some criticism or should we get off the lad's back and give him a chance? Sorry, he's he's settling in. He's 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 been much better in the last four or five games. He is he is you know getting into you know he's not just getting rid of the ball straight away. That's that's what Pep told him. You know, just pass the ball. But now he's sort of cutting in and getting into the box. Um, he didn't score many goals at Villa, to be fair, and he's not scored many goals for us either. But I think he's a provider and he's a free kick winner, and I, I think. I think that does that count as an assist? I think it does. The KDB goal. Is that correct? Well, I think it should. It's something that's a thought I had as well. I don't actually know the answer to the I'm question. Sure, I'm guessing it I'm guessing it must do, because if every goal has an assist, well, who else are you going to give it to? Yeah, it's got to be him, exactly. surely. No, I think he'll come good again, a bit Alvarez like of course he's in his second season now. I don't think that the price tag is not his fault. I think we've said this many times before. Uh Watch this space. I'm sure it, it, I really rate him as a player. Uh, whenever we played Villa, I was scared of him whenever he got the ball. So I'm sure he can do good things for us. We've talked about it before, Edward. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Your, your thoughts on Grealish? Um, you've not been on for a couple of weeks. So uh, any anything changed in your mind? Um, I mean, I think he is. We're seeing some signs of him settling oh. in. Uh, he's winning more fouls again, which suggests that he's taking on more players rather than just going back um, to the the defence with a uh, a pass. Uh, I think his link play is improving, which um, means maybe he's, his understanding with other players and within the team and what Pep's asking him to do within the structure is, is starting to sink in. I, sometimes I quite like him to appear somewhere else on the pitch rather than just stuck out on the left. And remember when we had Sane and Sterling and Maybe during the game, they might just swap over every every so often just to uh, upset the opposition. Um, because if you just have the same person attacking you, uh, you get to know their little little tricks and um, uh, ways that they try and try and beat you. So occasionally, why don't we just hold, pop him over on the right for ten minutes, see what happens? Um, and that, but because that freedom, I think you talk about Nigel is important. Uh, at Villa, he had you know he could basically go wherever he wanted at any time of the <laughs> of the game. It's a little bit more restricted um, at City. But maybe just trying him out in different parts of the pitch, we could see another side to him. Uh, I don't think his goal scoring is ever going to be uh, one of his um, highest attributes with the team. Uh, him winning fouls in really dangerous places, he's starting to show um, how, how that's good, how that's really important. Uh, but of course, you still need someone like KDB to put away those those opportunities. So signs that he's starting to understand the pep way. I think there's more that he can still contribute, and maybe just try him. Uh, in places that people wouldn't expect to find him on the pitch and exploit some of the other weaknesses that that we see against teams uh, out on their left rather than always out on their right. Right, John, what would you like to add to the Grealish conversation? Well, you know, I've never been his greatest fan, although I do admit, as both Stuart and Edward have said, 
he's played a lot better in the last three or four games. That, that's for sure. He's, he's made an impact. I, in the past, I've just come away from games thinking, well, you know, what's he for? Uh, almost, you know, I mean, with one or two exceptions, you know, what, 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 what's, what's the point of, of Grealish? Why do we pay all that money for the guy? And, you know, he has had a long time to settle in. But I think he is showing signs now. I hate to be ne- completely, I don't want to be totally negative about the guy. He's obviously got huge talent. He does win a lot of free kicks, as has been said. He excites the crowd. And I think he probably spurs on the team when he gets the ball because he, he's capable of a bit of magic, that's for sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, all credit to him for his performance on, uh, the, at the weekend. I thought he, I thought, I thought he played well. Um, and he's, a, he's certainly a very useful guy to have around. Whether I'd play him every week, I'm not quite sure. I think it's a very interesting point that Edward raised about maybe try him somewhere else, just if te- te- even for 10 or 15 minutes, just to you know, shake, shake the trees a bit. That's a good idea, very good idea. All right, I'm going to shake some trees in a second. Uh, we're going to have a quick break. When we come back, we're going to touch on Laporte. We're going to talk then about the two main characters, I think, Edison and KDB. Uh, and we'll do both of those things just after this break. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back. Let's just touch on Laporte. And I think, Edward, it's fair to say, last co- I had him as man of the match uh, in the last home game, and I thought he was superb again at the weekend as well. So really good to see him back and, and firing on all cylinders and a real rock at the back there. They're completely right. To remember a few seasons ago when we brought him in, probably about four, four or five seasons ago, they, they fly by so quickly these days. Uh, but he, he, I think it was a January transfer uh, window by, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, it was when we're desperately short of uh, decent centre backs, uh, we're now probably got the sort of luxury of, of them. We've got the poor Kanji, Ake, Diaz, Stones, as well as some of the academy players coming through. So uh, to still have him at the club, because there was a talk at some stage that when he lost his place, he might want to go off and find first team football somewhere else in the Champions League team. Uh, to have him back playing, I think, at the highest level that we, we've seen him play. His reading of the game is excellent when the ball comes over his head, uh, which is often the way people try to, to, to beat our, our back four. Uh, he always seems to be in the right place, control the ball well, play it back to Edison. Uh, he's got a great pass. Uh, he sees through sometimes uh, forward towards the midfield, even to um, straight to the, to the forwards. Um, and he's, he's normally fairly strong in the tackle. Occasionally he's been found wanting, but no, to have him as a, a rock, um, having off the back of having Diaz uh, winning uh, player of the year, we can't really complain that the, the, uh, the, the uh, purchasing power of, of, of those who uh, hold the purse strings at City haven't come up with some absolutely fantastic players. And if we can now stay injury free, uh, for the, the rest of the season, I assume we, I know, is he in the Spanish squad? Um, I probably, um, but let's say he comes back from the World Cup if he's going in, in one piece because we're going to need him for the rest of the season, irrespective of the fact that we've got uh, quite a few other options should he uh, fall foul of his knee injury that he has in the past. But 
Um, I, I agree with you. I think he's playing. Uh, the fact that the fact that he doesn't really get a mention on match of the day suggests that, um, unlike Van Dyke or one of two, two two of the others who are supposed to be the best best centre backs in the country, um, I, I think he's probably playing as good as anybody. Uh, high praise, Stuart, for Laporte. Do you want to join in the uh, the accolade? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a January transfer. 2018, 57 million. I'd almost forgotten about him when he was out injured and thought, well, we don't really need him. But the way he's been sort of organising things in the last few games, uh, he's, he, he is like Edward says, he's a rock. And uh, he quietly goes about his business. He does make the odd mistake. Uh, all defenders make mistakes at times. Uh, but he doesn't make that many. And he's a very reliable player in that position. And I really like him. John, you're going to kick off with with Edison and and that save. Uh, Before you do that, do you want to just add anything about the Laporte situation? Well, I think, as uh, Edward was saying, we have an embarrassment of riches, don't we? I think Laporte's played magnificently. And and also, someone else who's come on in a major way, in my view, is Ake. You know, versatile guy can play left back, can play centre-back as well. Uh, very impressive season so far. Every time he's had the opportunity, John Stones played well as well, and of course we've got Ruben Diaz there. I, we're we're very very fortunate indeed. As for Edison, well, that was some save. I mean, breathtaking, wasn't it? Absolutely breathtaking. And you know, following on from that kick of the previous week, which enabled uh, uh, the Viking to score so 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 effectively. Uh, what a player to have, as you say, not just a, a, a shot stopper. Not just a kicker. I mean, uh, a man capable of the most amazing athletic saves. I was out of this world because I thought, you know, it, it would have been like the old days, typical city, one up and then two minutes later, one all. It could have been so easily one all. Yeah, uh, fantastic save. Uh, particularly bearing in mind for a goalkeeper who not had that much to do, doesn't have much to do at all in most games, and to, to respond in that way when something like that does happen is quite remarkable. Really, we're very lucky. I think that's the point, isn't it? It's a huge concentration required because you just don't know. And I've, I've been a critic of his, as you will know, those that listen to the podcast regularly. I've been a every what twice a season. I think I kind of ask the question: Is he only is he only in for his distribution? If we sometimes can be critical about him stopping those shots, but but Edward, that was something special. I think wasn't it? Oh, uh, it, it, it was, and at that moment in the game, absolutely crucial. Um, and just for the reaction time, I mean, uh, it's Telemans, I think, was it who hit it? Yeah. Uh, and the the, the 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 speed and the 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 true hit that he gave it gave Edison very little time to adjust and and do uh, the the tip onto the bar, which was needed. I mean, it was going in. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and so, I I'm one who sometimes thought maybe his shot stopping could be better. Some things where he just lets it go under his his gloves. Uh, but that that was genuinely a world class save, uh, and it, I think it demonstrates why he, he's there not just for his uh, ability to ping a pass up to in the old days Aguero, these days Haaland. Uh, he's got a lot more uh, that he has to offer, and he's he's also a very brave goalkeeper um, all the way from the uh, the days when uh, he um, got whacked in the head by uh, Mane. I think it was he got sent off against Liverpool a few years back. Um, he, he'll get stuck in. Um, he'll give everything for the team, and uh, in a moment like that, that's the difference um, that uh, someone of his quality gives. Uh, and I'm sure the other keepers who think they could make that save, but I think his reaction time was outstanding. Anything to add, Stuart? 
I think the save was at a very crucial time. If Leicester, I think it was a couple of minutes after uh, we'd gone ahead, and had it been one all, it could have been a completely different game. He does have his moments <coughs> where he loses concentration, which is not surprising really when we've got the ball the whole time, and he often gets beaten by the only shot of the game uh, from our opponents. But you know, I have been a bit critical about him, like you have, uh, Nige, but. You know, overall, he's he's a great package in sense in the terms of you know distribution and Edwards' right bravery. He's he's a fantastic. You know, he's, he he doesn't shirk shirk his uh, you know responsibilities when when he has to dive at someone's feet. Uh, overall, can't, I I don't really think we could do better. Better than would you have Kel, Ken Mulhern back or Alan Ogley maybe ahead of him? Alan, uh, Ogley, yes. <laughs> Alan Ogley, you go for him, would you? Okay, fair enough. Or Keith McRae, maybe. No disrespect to those three wonderful keepers who uh, the slightly older ones amongst us might remember. John's smiling there, I can see. Uh, listen, let, let's talk about KDB. Uh, and I should have mentioned in my introduction, some people have been saying that he is the best midfielder in the world. Is 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 that fair, John? Can we can we confidently say that now that we, that Manchester City are operating with the best midfielder in the world in Kevin De Bruyne? I would say that most definitely. Because I I, I, I I can't think of anyone who's who's better, quite frankly. And he, he demonstrated that didn't he, at the weekend. I mean, Pep has been a little bit critical, hasn't he? Saying you know we we, we need a bit more from Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and then that lovely quote after the match at, at, the, at the weekend when Ke- uh, when Pep said, "I think that uh, you know we've done everything together apart from sleep with each other," uh, and, and he's now back, he's now back to his best. And that free kick demonstrated it uh, very, very effectively. Uh, but not not just the free kicker, which was sensational, but his his, his play throughout the game was was masterclass, absolute masterclass. And I, you know, uh, we, we we're very fortunate. And I, every time I look at him, I I, I can't help thinking. You know, what, what was Mourinho doing letting this guy go? I just have a, a nice wry smile to myself because we are the happy beneficiaries of that classic misjudgment by the former Chelsea manager. And what is it, Edward? What is it that puts him in that category? You know, we can argue whether he is or he isn't, but he's clearly up there, isn't he? he he's definitely up there. And he's now been around long enough to demonstrate he's not just a, a one, two, three season wonder. He just keeps doing it again and again and again. I mean, he's he's not quite superhuman because that would mean he'd be uh, electrifying every second of every game. And he does have moments in games when uh, things don't go his way. But I thought he said something really interesting. Uh, I think it was after this game. He said, actually, the one thing that I think is important is mistakes. And if he makes a mistake with a pass, he'll then try and make the same pass. Uh, Obviously, to try and rectify the mistake. But that's how he's still an appetite to learn. He still wants to get better. And that's why some of the visions in, on his, his passing, where you're, you're sitting watching the match at, at the Etihad and he suddenly pings a pass something, I mean, you think, I didn't even see that and I can see the whole game. Uh, he's on the pitch. Uh, is, is something that is very special and very few people are capable of, let alone doing it on a, on a pretty regular basis. And don't forget, he has been in the City team long enough now to have a wholesale change of players around him. It's not that he's been able to just sit and find the same people get into a pattern of play. He's had to adapt constantly to what Pep's asked him to do, different positions, uh, different styles of play, Harlem being the latest one. Uh, and clearly he has the uh, the ability and the footballing brain to carry that off, uh, irrespective of w- w- which players he has around him. He he should be, uh, if, if it's not Harlem winning 
the player of the season. As I know, we're very we're only in uh, the end of October, but if if he continues in the same vein, I think he's on eleven assists already uh, this season. Uh, then he's going to have to be up there uh, again because um, yeah, we're 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 just so fortunate to have him at, at the club. Um, and um, thank God uh, Mourinho decided that Chelsea had too many good players for him to stay in the team. In terms of player of the season, he may have some competition in some tall bloke, tall, tall blonde bloke who needs a haircut. Uh, Stuart, your thoughts on on KDB? I think he's just about approaching his prime, to be honest. I know he's 31 now, I think. Um, I think he's the best player in that position in the world. I think he's got tremendous sort of second sight. You know, he can... He, he plays, uh, he looks for the next move, not the, not the move he's on, you know. He's just ahead of the game the whole time. And sometimes, you know, when he was playing with Jesus or Sterling, he was a bit frustrated that they weren't moving or had the same thoughts that he had. Uh, but I think, you know, with Foden and with Haaland and with a few other players, he's, he's got players around him now that don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I've got a good idea. I, I think it's 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 a marvel to watch him. We should be very very uh, we're very privileged to be seeing him in a city shirt, and uh, he, he's no trouble at all. You know, he's got each honour off the field. A, a true star. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I just want to sort of stop and talk. You, those of you who listen regularly, will know I'm fascinated by kits, and I think kits that. that they're important. They're, they're an identity. They're your, your football club and the colours you play in. And we'll all have a view on the different types of kits. And, and those who listened last week, I was listening to Jim Proudfoot, uh, his commentary uh, midweek on Talk Sport. And he talked about us playing in laser blue. And he responded very nicely to a tweet I sent in re- re- correcting him. And during the second half, he. He referred to us as sky blue, very pointedly. So thank you, Jim, for that. Uh, it, it reminded me, there were a few bits of news about the kit this week. Uh, we heard, for example, uh, the women have decided uh, very pragmatically and sensibly to give them more confidence during their periods to move from white shorts, which is probably the most impractical colour to wear, uh, to wear maroon shorts, which seems a sensible and been, been sort of well-received and, and, and accepted around the world as being a great decision. Um and that prompted people talking about, well, should the men's team wear maroon shorts? Um, and alongside that, I, I just thinking of the Jim Proudfoot comment, the, the, any thought of City moving away from sky blue to maybe even going back to laser blue was something that I would fight with all my heart because I am old-fashioned looking around who we've got on the show. Edward aside, I think we've got, you know, a few more grey hairs between us three and been watching for City over 100 years, between, between, sorry, 150 years between us. Um, so I, I don't know, what do you feel as strongly as I do? John, what's your view on this? I'm coming for, we've got to be sky blue and white. I'm more old-fashioned fashion than you, Nigel. You know Amazing. Bring it on, John. Share, uh, share your thoughts. Manchester City should play in sky blue and white. Football matches should kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> And the FA Cup draw should be on the BBC radio at one o'clock on Monday lunchtime. End of story. And End we should story. still be doing the classified football results at five o'clock on Sports exactly. Report as well, just to Not add that one in for you, my Precisely. friend. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, I mean, the Bumblebee outfit, I think, is a bit of fun, but I'm not that wild about It's either Sky Blue or at a push, the red and black stripes, which remind me of the cup final. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, going to, yeah. I'm going to come to Edward at the end because he's far too young to even remember the 1969 Cup final. It was just a, a twinkle in Sir John's eye, I guess, at the time. Um, Stuart, you're, 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 are you like me? Please don't go to, to laser blue, stick with sky blue and white. Are, are you there? 
100% with John, sky blue, white shorts, full stop. Edward, I, 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 I'm hoping you're going to be slightly less kind of uh, feel as strongly as we do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. What's your view of sky blue and white? Would you be happy to go to maroon shorts and laser blue and all sorts of trial other things with our first team kit? Or is it sacrosanct? Well, I'm I'm quite nostalgic for the sort of the, the mid '80s when I was uh, I been going to City for probably about six or seven years, and I remember there was the we were sponsored by Phillips. I remember we had David Phillips who played for us, um, and he was up on, he was a poster up on my my bedroom um, because you know I was uh, sad like that, uh, and that was I seem to remember that was quite a sort of laser blue uh, color. Uh, I'm trying to remember. But, I, I um, thought, actually, th- I thought the Phillips one was particularly sky blue. I thought it was a particularly oh, was light it? blue. Well, it was well, that, kind of the Sean Goater. It was more the Sean Goater era. Well, I think it was right. brother. Brother was the sponsor at the time, which was kind of that laser yeah. blue period. No, that that was revolting. Um, uh, despite <laughs> the fact that uh, Sean scored quite a few goals wearing it, um, sure. and, and I, I was, it was going through a phase when they were really baggy as well, weren't they? So they sort of hung really quite unattractively off all the players. So, no, it, it has to be sky blue. I've now got visions of sort of, you know, Tommy Caton and, you know, sort of leaping majestically in his sky blue. No, it's got to be sky blue. Um, on, on the shorts, actually, in some ways, I, I absolutely laud the women's team for what they've done because um, so often these days we know that kits are being decided for commercial reasons. And that's why we have a third kit and why so often we play away from home. We think, why, why, why are we wearing that horrific yellow and black bumblebee colour shirt again? Why aren't we wearing sky blue? So um, I, I, in some ways, I would, I would like to see that, re- that sort of return to what the, the fans feel best represents their team to be the uh, predominant force in that decision making. I, I, I suspect I'm foolish in thinking that, but. Uh, I, I, I very much hope that we stick to Sky Blue next season and the season after that and every other season in the future. Let us know what you think on Twitter. As you know, we're at City Podcast. Please, no laser blue. Keep it Sky Blue and white. Thank you. John, let's just finish off with looking forward to a couple of games. And we've got a dead rubber coming up against Seville uh, this week. Um, who gets rested? Who gets a bit of a run in the, in the team? Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, hopefully, it'll give the kids a good run out, won't it? I mean, you know, virtually a reserve team. I mean, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to see what the kids can do, and let's hope the crowd we get a decent crowd. Then, despite the best efforts of Avanti West Coast to stop people going to Manchester, I had to get that in there because I can't resist a, a single moment of potential criticism for that shambolic outfit. Uh, yeah, let's hope they get a decent crowd there. Let's hope the kids get get a, get a chance against, against uh, Savaki. Call them Sevilla. Everyone else calls calls them Sevilla. Uh, but yeah. Good opportunity for a reserve goalkeeper, uh, the young Palmer to have a go, the young fullback who's done so well for us. Yeah, all, all of those guys, and uh, rest as many as we can because the outcome is insignificant. Uh, Stuart, play anybody, give anybody a bit of a run, give them a bit of a chance. I think we'd all agree with what John said. Would you stick anybody in to give them another 90 minutes or 70 minutes, whatever? I think you, I think it'll be our reserves against their reserves. Both teams are through. Both uh, it's the deadest of dead rubbers. Um, they're in the Europa League. We're in. We're through in the Champions League. So I'd like to see Ortega. He will play. Obviously, um, he had a good game at Copenhagen. I think. Um, and I'd like to see a bit more of um, uh, what's it called Cole Palmer. Yeah, rate him. Look forward to seeing him. It'll be, you know, two reserve sides probably, or more or less. 
two re- two reserve sides, Edward. Probably probably about right, isn't it? Yeah, I mean we're already going to finish top, whatever happens. So with uh, you know games coming thick and fast before the World Cup break, we've got four four in the next few weeks. Um, it's a chance to to rest the key players. Um, I, I thought Ortega, um, as Stuart said, I thought Ortega when he he played was uh, was really quite impressive. Uh, another good example of uh, great scouting from the club. So he will definitely get another run out. But yeah, it, it's I think we beat them four 0 last time. Uh, whatever happens, it can't be uh, any duller than the the last Champions League game we played. So uh, let's hope we get a few goals. Stuart Fulham up to seventh. Play them at the Etihad three o'clock. John, three o'clock Saturday. Yeah. Etihad three o'clock thank kickoff. God, thank God for that. But we yeah. can't get there because a bloody Avanti. Yeah. Anybody who follows John on Twitter, I think it's at John Stapleton TV. You will get a full rundown of Avanti West Coast uh, on an, almost a daily basis. You yeah. can uh, understand how they're doing. Stick with John on Twitter. Uh, so, so Stuart, they're playing well. Um, Mitrovic is scoring loads of goals. He'd probably be top scorer, wouldn't he, without Haaland, isn't he? In the competition, um, they're playing with a bit of freedom as well for them, but I think away from home, uh, we, we should be okay. We should be okay, John. Three o'clock, three o'clock, yeah. sky blue, and what we'll be playing sky blue and white. Three, three o'clock. o'clock, yeah, done deal, done, done deal. deal, all over. No, I mean, Fulham have done quite well. That's not you know, they're not that far off the I think seventh, you sure to say, not far, not far behind the top four, surprisingly well, actually. Uh, Mitrovic is a, is a threat, will be a challenge. Uh, they're a good little team. Got a good manager who's uh, you know had his ups and downs, but he's coming good at the moment. Yeah, it'll be a challenge, but I don't really see any problem for City. I think I'd say, I'd say three nil. The final word is with you, Edward. Before we go yeah. on Fulham visiting the Etihad on Saturday, your thoughts ahead of that game? Three o'clock, isn't it? Uh, three o'clock Saturday. Yeah, three o'clock Saturday. Sports report five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Avanti West Coast still a pile of poo, but there you yeah. go. That's uh... both on strike. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, Fulham are a better outfit than we've seen when they've uh, been yo-yoing between the two divisions for a while. Uh, hopefully, Haaland will be playing, which will make a big difference. Uh, I mean, it's, it's worth just looking. We've got Fulham and then and Brentford at home, whilst Arsenal have got Chelsea away and Wolves away. So these are a couple of games that I think are going to potentially define the season and give us a chance to get a bit of breathing space between us and Arsenal. So we, we have to get a couple of home wins. They've got to be bankers. Uh, and I, I think that will start with Fulham on Saturday. At three o'clock. Excellent. Listen, I'm off to get my football pink. Uh, huge thanks to my three guests, to John Stapleton, to Stuart Brodkin and to Edward Tinson. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.